All right, Waymaker Church, welcome to Church Online. Today we continue our series, Ritual to Relationship, that we began last week. And I'm excited about this because here's what we realize about rituals. Rituals retell the stories that give us meaning and shape our identity. And we need we need compelling stories today, and we need to know really what our true meaning and our true identity is because the culture and the world that we live in uh, the stories that are being told right now are leading to chaos and they're leading to confusion because they're not the true stories that, that God has in our meeting and our identity. And so last week we looked at one of those and, and I want to look at another one of these today because here's what we're going to realize, that when we forget the stories that matter, they lose their power. They lose their power. And that's why Jesus chose one of the few rituals that he wanted his church to participate in Last week we looked at it was communion. It was a meal, a meal that he wanted us to gather around regularly and remember his broken body and his shed blood through the bread and through the cup. And what happens when we participate in remembering that story? It points us to the relationship that we have in Christ and ultimately our Heavenly Father. And it brings so much meaning and identity to who we are. It changes the way that we live our life. So he says, do this in remembrance to me. Today I want to talk about another ritual. It's a ritual that you and I have participated in, whether we were sitting and watching this ritual or whether we were participating as a part of the, uh, the, the party. And I'm talking about the wedding ritual. I'm talking about the wedding ceremony because for centuries upon centuries, this ceremony has pointed towards a relationship. And, and I, I want us to look at what is this ceremony telling us? What story is it pointing to? Because as we know, our culture wants to tell a different story. Now, uh, over 20 years ago, my wife Tammy and I got married. This is our wedding album. And inside this, yeah, I know, it's like vinyl. <laughs> um, inside of this, you will see the whole chronology and the whole snapshot picture of our wedding ceremony. It was about a 45-minute ceremony. It was about a two-and-a-half-hour uh, reception afterwards. So, you know, get, give or take, it was about three or four hours. And, and, and if I were to be honest, I, I go to those pictures and I see some pretty, some pretty incredible things. I see pictures of our wedding party. These were our high school friends. These were our college friends. Uh, these were uh, some of our cousins and our family. Uh, I look in the, in the congregation and I see, uh, of course, our parents and our grandparents. Um, my dad and, and Tammy's grandfather were part of the officiants and, and, and they officiated the, the wedding along with Tammy's home pastor. And man, it was a, it was a powerful day. It was an amazing day. Uh, later on, we were at the reception, and and only thing I really remember about the whole thing, except when I go to these pictures, is that we were walking around and we were talking to people at the reception so much that we never actually got to eat the food. And so someone handed us a box, a styrofoam box, as we were leaving um, at, to, to drive off to our honeymoon. It was kind of like, oh yeah, here you go. I know you didn't get to eat, but there you go. The vows that we recited, the only thing I remember about our vows, unless I go back and watch the tape, is kind of a, a funny story that's become a legend in our family. And that is when the pastor wanted me to recite the vows, he says, okay, John, repeat after me. I, John, take you, Tammy, in the sight of God. And so I was supposed to repeat this, and I said, okay, I, God, 
take you, Tammy. And everybody starts laughing, and I'm thinking, why is everybody laughing? And he says, well, let's try that again. And he repeated it again, and, and I said, I, God, take you, Tammy. It took me like two or three times to actually get it right. And we laugh at that today because it was kind of like, hey, what are you trying to say, John? What are you trying to say about who you are? Well, the reality is I am definitely not God. Although, sometimes when I get selfish and I get inside my head, I try to act like God. But wow, am I not God? And that's something that, that when I think about it, it's often a reflection of what are the vows that people are reciting today. Well, for hundreds and hundreds of years, couples have stood in churches. They stood out in fields and they have recited these very common vows that are known as, or they're in the, in the Book of Common Prayer. These vows are the ones that so many people have pointed to for centuries. And, and here, they, here they are. It says, To have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part, according to God's holy law. For hundreds and hundreds of years, husbands and wives, bride and grooms, have stood up and they have recited these vows. And, and I want you to notice something about these vows because they, they're saying something very powerful, but they're also not saying something else. What these vows are not saying is, hey, we're going to live happily ever after and it's just going to be great and, and we're just going to make each other so blissfully happy, we won't even have to work at this. No, what, what are these vows saying? They're saying, hey, there's going to be days where it's worse, not better. In fact, there's going to be seasons. There's going to be seasons where we're poor and not rich. And then we might get poor again. There's going to be seasons where one or both of us is sick and not healthy. There's going to be a time where one of us dies and the other has to hold the other in, in, its, in his, his or her arms and, and say goodbye, at least for now. What these vows are saying to us is they're saying, Hey, this ceremony is important. This 45 minutes together and this two or three hour reception, it's important. But what story is it telling according to these vows? It is telling the story of this bride and groom who are now husband and wife are going to struggle. They're going to go through some times of pain. They're going to go through some valleys. Yes, they're going to have peaks and they're going to have mountaintop moments and they're, they're going to have moments where everything just seems to line up for them. There's going to be moments of blessing, but man, there's going to be a lot of battles in between. There's going to be times where it is hard to be married. And so we have to go back to those vows. We have to go back to what we said in front of our family, in front of our friends, and before God himself under his holy law, I am in no matter what. Wow. You think about the story, though, that our culture is telling now. More and more, as I officiate weddings, people are taking their weddings outside the church, which is okay. You don't need to get married in a church building. But when you, when you, you, you take it outside of that congregation and, and you, you start to write your own vows, and then that's what I see more and more. People are kind of getting away from these vows and and they're more about 
personal happiness and personal fulfillment. In fact, that's kind of the story that, that our, our, our culture is telling. The, the story that it's telling and the, and the vows that we see now are all about saying, hey, as long as you make me happy, as long as you're fulfilling my needs, my physical needs, my personal needs, and, and as long as you're uh, you know, you know, make, making sure that I'm sexually fulfilled and, and, and that my, my mental health and my mental happiness is all good, I'm in. But the moment, the moment that that's sort of in question, the moment that it gets hard, the moment that it gets difficult, the moment that we have to start communicating at a deeper level, the moment that I have to start changing and growing, mm, I don't know if I'm really in on this. And so what we're seeing is that our culture is telling a different story. Our culture says marriage tells the story centered on individual love and personal fulfillment. And the wedding ceremony is reflecting that. The wedding ritual is saying, okay, let's make sure we get the right colors and we get the right venue and we get the right photographer, you know, the up and coming or the, the, the one that's the best and, and make sure that our pictures are right and make sure everybody's going to like them on Instagram. Instead of actually saying, wait a minute, what are we actually telling? What story are we actually telling? And this is very important. In fact, this is, this is, the, this is the thing that we have to see. When we center the ritual around a story it was never designed to tell, it fails. It fails. And that's what we're continuing to see in our culture right now. Marriage is failing it seems, more and more. And I'm not even talking about outside the church. I'm talking about even inside the church because oftentimes what we do is we take what the culture is saying about marriage and we just kind of, we kind of put a Jesus bumper sticker on it. You know, we make it a little bit, uh, you know, we, we make, we throw some Bible verses in there and maybe we get our cousin Eddie to play a, a worship song at the ceremony. But at the end of the day, Man, we're pretty much telling the same story. As long as, you know, as long as we're making each other happy, I'm in. But the moment that I'm not personally fulfilled or happy, it's up for grabs for me. And that is what the story is telling. And and it's failing. And, And Waymaker Church, here's what I want to say to us. We have an opportunity right now at a very, at a very important time, a very critical time in our culture's history where we can be the church and we can tell the real story that marriage and the wedding ceremony is supposed to be telling. In fact, what is it? What story is marriage designed to tell? And that, that's the question that I want to answer today. What, what story is marriage designed to tell? Because the answer to this question, man, it's, it's, it's big. The answer to this question is, is going to help some of you who aren't married yet really decide how you're going to choose a spouse. The answer to this question is going to help those of you who've been married for several seasons or maybe even a couple decades like me. It's going to help you walk through tough times. The answer to this question, man, there's so much at stake because it's going to help you and me when when marriage isn't fulfilling, when it's not making me happy at some moment or some season of my life. It's going to help me walk through that differently than the the story that the culture is telling. So I want us to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Here, here's what's happening. The Apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee, this was this was a guy who who grew up and 
since he was a little boy, he was reading through the Old Testament. And he was reading through the Old Testament. He was reading through the, the prophets and the poets and the, and, and the priest and, and, and all the, the story uh, that they were telling and, and the books of Moses. And, and, and he was gleaning from this. And he writes after he becomes a follower of Jesus. He starts to write these letters to the church. And he starts to say, hey, here's what God was doing in the very beginning. And here's what he's done now. And the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is really, hey, here's who Christ is to you. Here's what he's done. Here's how God has sent Christ in. And he is, he is the one who is the perfect sacrifice for your sins. He's eliminated the fear of sin, evil, and death. Like the chains are gone. You are not the hero of your story and you're not a hostage anymore to, to sin, evil, and death. You have been set free because you are his. And that's what we talked about last week, and the same is, is, is thematic right now. So the first three chapters of Ephesians is telling that. Well, the last three chapters of the book of Ephesians is talking about, okay, in light of that truth, in light of the reality of who we are in Christ, our meaning and our identity in Christ, how do we have relationships with each other? And so the Apostle Paul starts to unpack these relationships. And he gets to about midway, through chapter 5, and he starts to talk about the the family. He starts talking about marriage. And he even, he even talks about the wedding ceremony, the very first wedding ceremony that, that God officiated the moment that he introduced Adam, the first man, to Eve, the first woman, and how God is the one who originated marriage. Now, I want to jump in because this is really important to us understanding what story is the wedding ritual telling. And where did the original wedding ritual come from? I mean, that's pretty critical. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit. The word submit oftentimes is misunderstood. In fact, it has a kind of a negative connotation a lot of time. It basically means to voluntarily defer. That I'm going to, in my own volition... I'm going to defer to you. I'm going to defer to your needs. I'm going to defer to what is important to you and what it is that is critical for you. I'm going to put your needs above mine, and I'm going to voluntarily do this. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to love you. But it's not because you deserve it. It's not because you've earned my trust or earned my love or you've earned me voluntarily deferring to your needs. No, it's out of reverence for Christ. Remember the first three chapters? Out of what Christ has done for me, he laid down his life for me. He gave me a, a, a place in the family of God. He, he did that for me. He, he's eliminated death and, 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 and sin and, and evil in my life. And I don't have, so in reverence to him, I am going to do the same for you. You see, that's where this whole conversation begins with Paul. Let's up front realize what is our motivation to what he's about to say. And then he begins to speak first to wives. He says, verse 22, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. So what does he say to wives? And this is, this is something that if you've been to a, a wedding ceremony um, you've heard this verse read before. 
And oftentimes some people, some people, even, even people who've grown up in the church and they've read the Bible, they get to that part where it's like, wives, submit to your husbands. And you're thinking, you know, wow, what kind of, what kind of world is he living in? But what he's saying is, hey, there's roles. There's roles in marriage. And, and there are roles that two people, a bride and a groom and a husband and wife, are going to take on voluntarily. You see, they have a choice. They don't have to. But they can kind of do their own thing. They can kind of be a law unto themselves. Or they can take on the roles that God originally designed that he defined in the very first wedding ritual, which we'll get to in just a second. But he says, wives, you have a role in this. And that is to voluntarily defer to your husband's leadership. Just as what? Just as the church does with Christ. You see, we can go do our own thing. We can go live our own lives. We can go do whatever we want. God's not making us. But what he does say is, I have put a better meaning and a better identity before you. And it is modeled in marriage. It is represented in marriage. The wife, who was a bride at her wedding, represents the church. And he goes on and he says this. He says, verse 24, as the, chur- or, uh, as the church submits to Christ, you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Man, that's a pretty tall order, isn't it? Like, if you're, if you're watching this and, and you're a woman and you haven't gotten married yet, you might be going, well, man, I don't, I'm looking around and I don't know that I would want to voluntarily defer and follow some of the guys that, that might be potential husbands. And, and some of you who are married and been married for years or seasons, you might be saying, yeah, I don't know about that. But, but, but hold on. What does he say? For husbands, verse 25, this means love your wives. Okay, love's a big word. What does he mean by that? Just as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. How did Christ love the church? He laid down his life for her. And he says to husbands, he says to grooms, right? Hey, when you stand up there, on your wedding day, you are basically saying, I am going to lay down my life for this woman. I, I, I'm going to lay, like, if she's going to voluntarily defer to my leadership, she's not going to have a hard time doing that in her own heart and mind. Why? Because I am going to spend every day waking up and I am going to lay down my needs and I'm going to lay down my wants so that I can take care of her, so that I can protect her so that I can lead her. Come on. Man, that is a tall order. That is a mission. And men, if if you're listening, if you're listening right there, lean in because here's what this is not saying. That leadership is lording it over our wives. It's, It's not like, well, I'm the king of this house. No, I'm the lead servant of this house. And and men, listen, let me just say this. If you're the lead servant in your house and you lead with courage and humility your wife's not going to have a hard time voluntarily deferring to you and saying, hey, where do you want to lead this thing? Where, where do you want to go? Because I'm in. I'm in. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to give you some feedback and I'm going to give you some, 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 some suggestions and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here with you. But you get on your face and you get on your knees before God and you lead this thing. Man, what would happen in our culture if men started to step up 
and be the lead servant and the lead sacrificial example in their homes? And what would happen if, if women just said, you know what, you're not a perfect man and you never will be in this life, but I trust you. And I'm, voluntar- I'm voluntarily going to defer to you because I want you to lead sacrificially in this home. Wow. And you see those two big words, sacrifice and submission. And what Paul is saying is marriage doesn't happen. The story that God is telling with marriage doesn't happen without those two things working hand in hand every minute, every hour, every day, every season of a marriage. That's powerful, powerful stuff. Jesus says this. Marriage tells the story of his sacrificial love and commitment to the church. He says that's, what, that's the story that it's telling. And so every time you and I are sitting at a, a wedding ceremony or, or the ritual of a wedding, that's really the story it should be telling. I, I love what Shauna Nyquist, uh, she's, a, she's a, a writer, she's an author. She writes in her book, uh, Present Over Perfect. She talks about our culture's idea of love versus the love that, that people like the Apostle Paul is talking about and trying to describe in scriptures. She says this, Quick charm is like sugar. It rots us. It winds us up and leaves us jostening, but it doesn't feed us. Isn't that true? Like a Snicker bar or like some Tootsie Rolls, you know, you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, this is great. But, you know, like, I don't know, five minutes later, you're, you're on a crash. She goes on, she says, only love feeds us. And love happens over years, repetitive motions, staying, 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 showing up again, coming clean again, being seen again. That's how love is built. Wow. Like, it's over a lifetime. It's over getting through the richer or the poorer, the better and the worse. It's not seeing the worse and the poorer as, well, this is my time to get out of this. No, instead it's just saying, hey, that's that's what's actually going to deepen this love. That's actually what's going to make this love stronger. That's actually what's going to make this love more than just pop sugar. It's what's going to make it mean. Jesus' commitment demonstrates his love. What Jesus is saying is, hey, I'm committed to to you, the church, so much so that I'd lay down my life for you. And there's nothing that you can do in all your crazy and all of your getting off track and getting off target that would keep me from loving you and that would make me go back and reconsider laying down my life for you. And that's what we're saying in the wedding ritual. We're saying to each other, look, Just as Jesus did this for me, I'm going to do this for you. Just as Jesus sacrificed for me, I'm going to sacrifice for you. And I'm going to voluntarily defer to you as you sacrifice for me. But then Paul does something. If you jump to verse 31, he cites Genesis chapter 2. And I love this. Look what he says. He says, as scripture says, remember, he was an expert in the Bible. He, He knew the Bible before he was a follower of Jesus. And, and so he was able to now see the, the Old Testament and the books of Moses through the lens now of Christ. And he says, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two, be, the two are united into one. 
what does he do? He pulls that very first wedding ceremony that God performed as soon as he created woman out of man. And Adam says, this bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. God says, oh, hold up. I'm going to get a picture of this. And not only am I going to get a picture of this, but I'm going to preside over this ceremony. God was the first officiant of the very first wedding ceremony. And he says, this ritual of a man leaving his father and mother and joining to his wife, it's going to be a part of the story of human history. It's going to be a part of society. It's going to be a part of communities. It's going to be a part of families because that is what the families... And this man and this woman, this bride and this groom, they're going to be joining in something that's so much bigger than themselves. It's not their story. It's my story, is what God is saying. And the very first two pages of the Bible, it's my story. And when you stand up there, bride and groom, you are telling my story. And when Jesus comes and he dies on a cross and he resurrects from the dead, God says, okay, this is a continuation of the story. This is Because now, when you stand there, you are telling the story of Christ. Marriage is a story centered around Jesus' relationship with us. Doesn't that change everything? I, I mean, again, I'll go back to maybe Maybe you're not married yet, but you know that most likely you're going to you're going to be a part of this party. Doesn't it change the way you select a spouse? And, and the way you start to look for potential people who, would, who you would marry? Doesn't it change those of us who are married for either 20 weeks or 20 years or beyond? It changes the way that we look at trials. It tra- changes the way we look at times where we're, man, we're poor, we're not healthy. We're not as strong as we used to be. It changes everything, doesn't it? Because this isn't our story. This is God's story. And this is pointing to Christ and his commitment and his sacrifice for us. And we all have a role in it. And he finishes this. Look what he says. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And and the wife must respect her husband. So he brings it home to those two roles again. He says, hey, husbands, you know what? You want to take care of yourself. You want to take care of your body. That's great. Now love your wife that way. And wives, as as you see your husbands do that, mutually defer, voluntarily defer to his leadership. Because when you two play those roles, you are representing Christ in the church. And here's the thing, and this is this is the mystery that, that Paul's talking about. There's just things in that that God is going to favor and bless. When we play those roles voluntarily, and we live in sacrifice and submission as husbands and wives or future husbands and wives, what happens? We invite the favor of God into that relationship. Wow. That's powerful, powerful stuff. And that's what we're a part of. So what does that mean for you and me? Three things, three things. First, I want to talk to a group of people here today. And I want you to see this. Let God change the story you want your marriage to tell. Maybe you have been telling a different story with your marriage. Maybe it's the story that the culture is telling. You know, boy meets girl and they live happily ever after. But what happens when you're not happy? What happens when you're not happy? Maybe there's another story 
that your marriage needs to tell. Or maybe you, you got married in a church and a, and a pastor or a priest was there and all your friends and there was a cross and, and there was a Bible and, and 1 Corinthians 13 was read and, and your cousin Eddie played a worship song. But you, you haven't made Jesus the model of your, of your marriage. You just took the culture and put a Jesus sticker on it. Today, let God change the story you want your marriage to tell. And maybe, maybe right now you just need to, you need to pause this or, or walk away and just go get on your knees and grab your spouse or, or, or just, just bow your head and just say, God, I want a different story in my marriage. Next, some of you, you're in a different place and you need to decide to fight for your marriage. You're, you're just in a, in a much more critical space. You wanted this to be about happily ever after, and you haven't been happy for a while. And you're either separated or getting ready to get separated, or who knows where you are. Today, as you hear me and as you hear this, you know that God has spoken to you. And you may need to make a phone call. You may need to walk across the, uh, the room. You may need to, 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 to drive somewhere and, 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 and invite your spouse back into a conversation. You need to fight for your marriage like you never have before. Some of you, though, you are on the other side of a trial. You're on the other side, and you're in a good place. You're, you're up on a mountaintop. Or, or maybe you, you've got some bumps and bruises, and, and you're in a healthy place. But you know that you have some things that you can share with other people. Here's what I want you to consider. Become a marriage mentor. Become a marriage mentor. Consider that. You, know, you say, well, we've only been married five years, or we've only been married ten. Well, that's okay. You have something to say to a, a couple who's not yet married. They're engaged or a couple, e- even if they're a couple years married longer than you, you still have something to, to share with them. If that's you, uh, email counseling at waymaker.church and, and, and they'll reach out to you and they'll say, hey, we've got some training for you and we've got some opportunity for you to pour into some other people. Now I want to transition into something that I think you'll really love. It's uh, some Q&A with uh, my wife Tammy and me uh, that was recorded at a different time. And uh, we were given some questions that uh, we purposefully said we don't want to know what the questions are before we answer them. Uh, So we got in a room and uh, we answered these questions. I think they'll be helpful to you. Uh, All right. Hey, so here we are. I'm with my wife Tammy. We've been married for 20 years. Yep. 20 years, you can see it right here, on our wedding album, uh, May 23rd, 1998. Guys, this is, this is good stuff. This is vinyl. Now, people have <laughs> submitted some questions, some questions that we don't know what these questions are, uh, except for the first one because uh, we messed up and we're having to refilm this. Yeah, yeah, so here we go. But we kind of we already have a tip on the first one. Um, but pretend like we don't. Mm-hmm. How about that? Okay, so here's the first question. Here's the first question. Um... What was an expectation you had on your wedding day that could not be further from the truth? Um, I would say that you, when you said that you were God in our, in our, yes, in our vows. Yes. Um, I would think that's the furthest from the truth. That is the furthest from the truth. But you are a great guy. Thank you. (laughs) Not quite God though. Not quite God. Although sometimes I, you know, try to act like that. But it was a really great day. Yeah. I mean, the sun was shining. It was beautiful. You know what? Something I didn't expect was when you were coming down the aisle, like I started you to cry. You would cry? Yeah, I didn't think I would cry. He doesn't cry. cry. Um, well, he's starting to now that he's getting older. Yeah, like something about my 40s. Mm-hmm. Some crying but you did cry when I walked down the aisle. Yeah, that was it, was, good. It, was a, it was a good thing. I liked it. Was a good it. Thing. All right, you want to read the next one? Sure. Okay, here we go. 
In what ways do you see your marriage as a vehicle for the gospel in your church and family? Mm. You want to start with that? No, you go okay, I'll start with that. Um, I, I believe it's just what, what we taught, and that is uh, that we together model submission and, uh, and sacrifice mm-hmm. uh, to our children, uh, first and foremost, uh, but also to each other, and, and we, we remember that. I love um, when we get to pray together. Mm-hmm. I love hearing you pray and going after you know, the things of the kingdom of God. Uh, and getting to do that together and get, getting to do that daily. I love to serve in the church with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it is pretty awesome. Yeah, and, yeah and then seeing our kids serve in the church. But what about yeah. you? I would say just us living out um, even the struggle of um, forgiveness and yeah. Um, yeah. redemption and how you know that has happened in our marriage over and over and over and our kids get to see that and I love that they are they're a part of watching flawed human beings that truly God has rescued and redeemed and they get to know that you know we're not perfect and they can live that out as well Um, so I would just say forgiveness and and I mean that's the gospel that's good that's good all right next one uh, what's one of the most difficult times in your marriage, and how did God bring restoration and redemption? You're talking about the fight we had this morning. Yes, we can tell. No, we can talk about that. Yeah, that was, it was it's true. We did have fights this morning. Uh, what, what though, is the most difficult time? Uh, would you say? I mean, there's a few. Yeah, um, I would say that it was before the difficult time of our church. And um, there was a struggle in our marriage, um, and God really used a difficult time in our church to actually bring us um, into a restorative uh, season. And um, we were able to go get counseling together and um, see see our marriage differently, I would say. Is there another time? I I would say, um, you know, I mean, there's a few. Um, but the the biggest one that comes to my mind that you didn't mention was when I got really sick, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you go back we go back to those yeah. vows and sickness and in health, and that was a test for you right because I wasn't I wasn't much good for anybody, um, and we you, just had yeah, Chase we, we had three young kids yeah, we had three kids, yeah. and that was our seventh year of marriage. Yep. So we knew year seven was just yeah. it was hard. Yeah, I don't think it was the seven-year itch. I think it was the seven-year, like, breaking. Yeah. Um, maybe we just brought some... I think new... I forgot completely about that season. Yes, thank you. That's one thing I love good. about her is that she forgets things. That's and, true. and that's the gospel. <laughs> yes. 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 Okay, next question. Okay. Um, why are you both so passionate about restoring marriages and families? Oh. Mm. Do you want me to answer Yeah, that? you start. Yeah. I believe when marriages are restored and um, even are fruitful, I believe that it um, impacts generations. And when that is broken, there the the ripple effect of that in a kid's life 
and grandkids' life and then your great-grandkids' life, um, there's just a ripple effect of that. And I, I believe that marriage just symbols, it's, just a, it's a great symbolism of the gospel. Yeah. And it's a place where you can struggle and go back to that whole thing with forgiveness. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, I, I, think, I think that when people go after a healthy marriage, uh, a, a whole city can change. Yeah, absolutely. You know? and, I, and I agree with that. I think, I think when, when a marriage is healthy and strong, uh, you have the husband and wife that, that are going to be thriving, but you also have those children that are going to be thriving. And those children are going to go forth out of that home, and, and they're going to uh, have the tools that they need uh, to bring God's kingdom come and to repeat that into another generation. But if you back that up, and that starts to get unhealthy, and it starts to break apart. Uh, then, then, then everything starts to fray from there, and and it and, impacts so many other people. Like yeah. it's not just it's not just the two people, but it's your kids, and then it's you know your social circles and um, places that you work and people that you interact with. It does have a ripple effect that I think a lot of people don't see um, in the moment, and. And I think about us 21 years later and sitting around a table with like my parents who are still together yeah. and loving each other and my mom going through a cancer battle and my dad loving her more than he ever has and serving her, her more than, and we're all sitting there together and, and if they had not fought through the hard seasons yeah. and we had not fought through the hard seasons, that table would not be filled with joy and laughter despite really hard a really hard season for us right now yeah so yeah well said well said um well hey we have loved just letting you in a little bit on our thoughts um and our lives and even our marriage and um uh some of our uh photos from 1998 yes yeah. that's uh, why it's big and yeah, this is yeah. how they did it back then yeah, <laughs> back then when um mm-hmm. phones still had cords Yep. Um, but hey, have a great Sunday. We'll see you back at Jefferson Forest High School next Sunday. Uh, it's going to be great. We're going to yeah. continue the series, Ritual to a Relationship. We're going to talk about the ritual of baptism. Uh, go make a way. Go change the world.